doesn't matter how much you have, this body's perishable. And it doesn't matter how much you amass, a funeral is still a funeral. Even a king's corpse is still a king's corpse. God changes things in a completely unexpected way. You expect something altogether. If you didn't know any better, unreasonable and unexpected. A complete change. He takes these bodies and he restores them. And knowing that change, doesn't that really change the way you live your life? Instead of living for this world and trying to amass the things that you can for this world, a a foolish battle that will end in nothing but the grave, we now live instead for the next one. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with rock-solid hope in Rim Country. March 3rd, 2019, 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 35 to 49. You know, it can make a big difference, can it, when you know a change is coming. Take, for example, just a couple days ago, how you could go to one of the stores in Payson and you'd probably see all the supplies for gallons of water were off the shelves. And people are standing in line trying to fill up their water containers. And I, I heard that every single generator in town and all the stores were sold out. As for me, I was there filling up my grocery cart with half a dozen gallons of milk. Of course, for me, that's not really stocking up, but (laughs) if you know a change is coming, it it changes what you do, doesn't it? And for others, they, they knew that, well, some people had to get out and clear their driveways. They could just sit back and relax, because they too knew a change was coming. If they didn't need to go anywhere, they could simply wait for that snow to melt in a matter of a day or two and it would soon be cleared up enough. See, knowing that there's a change, a big change, can certainly change the way you do things every moment or each day. What about the biggest change that's coming in your life? Talking about the changes that affect everything. What about death? How does one prepare for that? You can't just stockpile a whole bunch of things and think you're ready for death. And you can't just simply ignore it and hope that death is going to go away. Well, this morning we continue our final portion looking at the last part of the book of 1 Corinthians. And we see how the Apostle Paul addresses the Corinthians with another issue. And we once again ask that question, what does it mean to be spiritual? We see it means you know a change is coming. And knowing that change alters, transforms your whole life. Certainly if you recall the last six weeks that we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we've seen they had a lot of issues. They had no idea what it meant to be spiritual. But now as we get to chapter 15, it seems Paul has saved the biggest struggle for the end. And he talks to them about probably the the most terrible thing that they have come across with their false teaching. They are now teaching, it seems, that there's no resurrection of the dead. You look at that and you might say, well, how could the Corinthians ever come to that conclusion after all they had been taught, after all that they knew? How could they then say, well, people die and that's probably the end. And so we see the Apostle Paul has to rebuke them with the the strongest rebuke you see 
probably in all of his letters, he says to them, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. How could the Corinthian Christians ever stray away from living as if there was another life and acting as if this life was all there was? In their tossing aside the teaching of the resurrection, they changed their very living to selfish, sexually immoral, godless living. And I'm sure all their other false teachings stemmed from this false teaching. And so Paul's rebuke is deserved, isn't it? That someone that knows better, that understands there's going to be a resurrection, whatever act or live or say there won't be. Why would they do this? We can maybe guess, right? After all, that, that's what we observe, isn't it? Death is something that we see. We know that we eventually will decay and perish, and not much more seems to come after that. See, the Corinthian Christians were relying on mere human observance and their own reasoning rather than the power and working of their God. They were relying on their own sight and their own thoughts rather than the word and wisdom of God. And that's how so many false teachings come into play. Our our confirmants, our youth confirmants today, they learned a lot of truths that go against all expectations and reason. You know, they learn that baptism is it's not just playing water, but water used with God's word. And with the power of his word, a washing by his spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit and faith and cleansing of our sins. Some might look at that and say, well, I don't see that. But the word of God changes everything with faith. And the Lord's Supper, they, they learn that the, the supper is not just bread and wine, but Jesus says, my body, my blood given for you, a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Now, some could look at the Lord's Supper and by their all outward appearances say, well, I don't see anything special. But they know better. They know the words and promises of God. And you could say this about so many teachings in the Christian's life that when someone calls on God in prayer, someone might say, well, I don't see anyone answering me. God must not care. And by all outward observances, I don't feel loved by God when I have to face these trials in my life. But God wants us to turn to his word and instead of relying on our own natural reason, look to his supernatural working. The Corinthian Corinthian Christians saw death. They saw it as the end and they concluded there's nothing more. And they tossed aside faith. And then Paul rightly gives them that rebuke. Well, what about us? Sure that you and I aren't going around proclaiming as Christians that there's no resurrection, that this life is all there is. We know better. But might we, even though we don't teach as the Corinthians began to teach, might we begin to live sometimes as they began to live? As if we're living for this life and not for the next one. As if this life is all that matters in the end. The foolishness of the Christian man who lives his life to amass wealth in this world and thinks that the end all of this life is simply to chase after his hobbies, his sports, his pleasure and enjoyment and selfish gain. What does it end as? What does it amount to? It doesn't matter how much you have, this body's perishable. 
It doesn't matter how much you amass, a funeral is still a funeral. Even a king's corpse is still a king's corpse. Paul reminds the Corinthian Christians, someone might say, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? How foolish. God does not work according to natural observance or reason. He works according to his promise and the power of his word. And when Christians toss aside that promise and begin to live as if that is not the end, they begin to do something terribly foolish. Paul says, some are ignorant of God. How could the Corinthian Christians live like this when someone did not know about the resurrection? Could you imagine being someone that knows several feet of snow were coming? Your neighbor didn't, but you weren't going to tell them or let them know in any way? Or could you imagine that someone was frantically worried about the way that their car was buried by snow and you weren't telling them the important truth that, don't worry, it'll melt in two days. How much more when God's people know the truth of what is to come? How much more shameful and horrible is it to live or to act or to give the message that there is not more than this life? I know how it is. I have to say to my shame that there are times in my life where I have lived as if this life is the end all. And people might have gotten the impression that I live simply for the now and that this is what really matters. How about you? When you look at your checking account, when you look at your schedule for the week, when someone sees that, did they see you living for this life or did they see you living for the next one? Paul's rebuke Stop sinning. There are some who are ignorant of God. They are without hope. They live in despair, in darkness. And for them, death is something they fear and have no escape from. And they frantically try to stockpile up or they try to ignore it, but they will have to face it. Are they prepared for the greatest change? The Apostle Paul helps us to see the whole different change in attitude that we now have in Christ as he brings out a picture of God who does the unexpected. He gives a picture here. He says, when you sow a seed, you don't plant the the simple seed, it's just a seed, and expect a seed to grow. You expect something altogether. If you didn't know any better, unreasonable and unexpected. A complete change. He says, so it is with what God does with the body. He takes these bodies and he restores them. God changes things in a completely unexpected way. That's what the three disciples would have seen, if you recall what we read earlier. Imagine Peter, James, and John. They saw Jesus. And moments earlier, they saw the same Jesus that was the ordinary man, looked like any son of Adam, destined to die. But then, not then, on the mountain, then they saw Jesus who was very different. They didn't see his face turn pale as he neared death. No, they saw his face shine like lightning as he revealed who he really was. See, the biggest change in history that took place was that God took on human flesh and veiled his glory and walked among his people. The greatest change in history that ever could occur was that God came to this world to die when they saw him once again come down the mountain with his face set to the cross, 
They knew the greatest change was that man hanging on the cross was God carrying out his plan for this world. That man hanging on the cross was Jesus, the Son of God, true man and true God, who came to forever change the course of history by taking away our guilt and our sin, taking away our shame, taking away everything, even death and the curse of death. When the rest of the disciples saw Jesus alive, imagine how that changed them. And they realized everything is now changed. Jesus is alive. So Paul adds, we will too. We're going to be like that man from heaven. The change that he describes is a body that is sown perishable. It's raised imperishable. The body that is sown, the one that we know now, it's dishonorable. It doesn't matter how much fame or glory you receive, there's nothing honorable about death and the curse of sin. But it is raised in glory. The body that's sown is weak. No matter how strong you are, you can't stave off death. But it is raised by the power of God and through Christ in glory bright and glory everlasting with power. See, a change is coming. Change is going to take place for all those who are in Christ those who trust and know what he has in store. And knowing that change, doesn't that really change the way you live your life? Instead of living for this world and trying to amass the things that you can for this world, a foolish battle that will end in nothing but the grave, we now live instead for the next one. We know there are some who are ignorant of God. And by our life and by our words, we help them to see the one who changed everything by dying in our place and rising again. And instead of living this life, chasing after what so many chase after, now we chase after the words of Christ and his will. Instead of having wealth and pleasure be our master in life, our master is the one who saved us, our Lord Jesus. And instead of in pride, thinking we can stave off death by our own strength, we turn away from sin. We turn to faith in Christ, who has changed our lives forever. And that changes life now. You know, the famous theologian, St. Augustine, once depicted the way the life of a Christian is altogether different because of what we know is coming. He talked about living in repentance and faith. He said, do you wish to rise? Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds. Lay first the foundation of humility. As we turn to God, we know the most unexpected thing will happen. And yes, it's contrary to all reason. He will take our sins away. And yes, it's cold, totally unexpected that we can't imagine. He will transform these bodies someday. What does it mean to be spiritual? To be spiritual means, you know, the biggest change coming isn't death. No, the biggest change coming is what God has in store through Christ, who has forever changed history for us. To be spiritual means to live your life now in such a way that instead of clinging to sin, you cling to Jesus and his cross. Instead of chasing after the life in this world and this world as the end all, we chase after the life to come and the glory that is a free gift and ours in Christ. And we will be changed. You know a change is coming. I don't just mean death, I mean a new and glorious change. 
And that new life begins today. Amen.